Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal lands. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories, and song, and we are privileged to be a part of that storytelling today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of black theatre in this country, and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations people. We honour this in all the work we do and carry this into our conversation today. You're listening to Race Matters. This is a show that explores the values and complexities of race, culture and identity. I'm Alicia Zell. And I'm Sharika Hallelujah. It's nice to be back after a summer break. We were off air for a month, and I'm excited to be here with you, Alicia. Our first time hosting together, right? Yes, our first time co-hosting together. I'm feeling refreshed and energized after the break. How are you feeling? I'm really excited for what we have on the show today, but before we get into it, I thought we'd begin with a story um, with a show that we got to attend last year together, Alicia. We had the absolute pleasure of witnessing Lonnie Holly, the legend, perform at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Yeah, given that space of seeing him perform live to speaking to him in person, it's very surreal and you know, I feel very I felt very honored in having that conversation with him. Lonnie as a musician and an artist is he's very exceptional in the sense that he will never perform the same thing twice and in that way witnessing him live is like a very singular experience it feels like you're sort of entering this like deep time but also like fully immersed in the present moment because um, he is, they are improvising together and I've, I felt very like held there by him. Um, it was very moving, it was very like emotionally uplifting. He embodies like the values um, that, you know, I feel like we need to move towards and that I, I'm trying to move towards. So as well as being a artist and a musician, 
Lonnie is also a great teacher, and he was actually the mentor of More Mother, aka Kame Aweya, who you had the pleasure of interviewing earlier this week. Yeah, I think similar to Lonnie Holly, it can be hard to place More Mother as an artist. What does feel at the heart of a lot of what they both do is community as an extension of their solidarities and the way that they think about musical collaboration um, and also their DIY resourcefulness. Both More Mother and Lonnie Holly are able to assemble, you know, exciting and overwhelming pieces of music, of sculpture of writing um, seemingly through scraps you know the things that we forget about or don't pay attention to as a society and what they also share is this spiritualism in both of their works Um, I do feel like both you and I came out of these interviews with our heads spinning Um, you know we dipped into transcendental territories and tangents Um, But because they are both also involved in grassroots action, it helped me to understand what that balance could be. Alongside these very special interviews, we'll be taking you through the sonic landscapes of both Lonnie and More Mother. Lonnie's music is really just one manifestation of his creativity that is interconnected with his practices as a visual artist, as a sculptor, as a poet, and also as a teacher. So it is both an immense honour and a challenge to introduce someone who who traverses over many different art forms and creative pathways. Um, Lonnie is iconically a self-taught artist and he fully defies being fixed within the categories of Western conventional art. Underlying Lonnie's creative practices is a deep ecological consciousness and his work offers so much spiritual and philosophical wisdom for all of us. I began by asking him about his processes of um, gathering and composting materials into art. I I think for the students' sake, uh, it's long overdue because most of all of us as humans, we was raised up throwing away everything mentionable. <laughs> and and I, I, I don't want to make you cry, but sometimes I have to cry myself because if you can look at all of the different industries, the stores, the marketplaces, the way that we got all of this material and get it away from Santa Claus 
I get it away from just one seasonable way of giving. But it's just was a constant thing that was going on, something that was just massive amounts of materials just being sold and bought and bought and sold, resold and rebought or tossed away or put into trash, garbage or landfill. I grew up with that going on every day around me because that's what my grandmother used to do, go to the city lot. The city lot was a place where all of the trash of the city come through into the landfill and be dumped into this big old pit and then buried over and over and over. The hole got deeper and buried over and over. So I started noticing, I believe a long time ago, waste, trash, garbage, and debris, the floatable stuff that could just ride the water for miles and empty out of the ditches and the creeks into the rivers and flow on to be dumped into the lakes, the seas, and into the ocean and continue to float. Now we have more things that is floatable than ever before. So my thing were when I met Mr. William Arnett, that was Matt's father, and uh, he was interested in what I was working with and how I was working with these materials to the point of he wanted to know what I thought about them. And what I was thinking about these materials, if we keep on letting this happen, uh, and my thing is I was doing more of the daydreamer for my grandmama instead of my grandmama having to be burdened by all of this stuff and the thoughts of all of it, uh, I took it on myself. I took these burdens on myself. And who's going to appreciate what I'm doing? Because in the first beginning, I were considered to be so many different everything except an artist. I was talking about materials that could be burned and what kind of odors that came from those burning. I was talking about the gases that comes out of materials that we don't even not be finished using. And my thing as far as screen and sanitation, the garbage disposers and all the other stuff that has now became part of our living, uh, it hadn't made the incident to be that much more comfortable to live with. That's what I find so striking and what really resonates to me about um, your art is your deep ecological awareness um, of the environment and of how interconnected we are, um, you know, to our environment and to life itself. Um, also, you have this incredible ability to see the stories and the histories that are held within these materials. Um, because everything wasn't made equally, wasn't made under policy restriction of how to make them. <laughs> It's almost like people stole to do things. They stole away to create something. 
in America, we did so much, but not only in America. What our products were, we sent them to other places on the earth. So we infested other places with our ideas and our thoughts. The, the thing, again, it's not all about physical or my exterior, because I, I look a mess, and I'm not pretty boy, catch one, uh, or whoever else. Uh, my days uh, and my years of catching up with me, I've studied and studied and studied and studied for... I even made it to seconds. I asked Siri the other day, how many seconds will be in my 74th year? I want to know the seconds that I've had an opportunity to be a human. So when we start thinking in a secondly manner and appreciating each second that we lived and start thinking, wow, how much have I done for righteousness in those seconds? I thought about how many students that I have given grains of sand as a sand man and say, here, you make you something beautiful and take it home to mama and daddy. And before you give it to them, give them a kiss and let them know you love them. It was the way that I taught children about art. Art is a gift. Art is a privilege. And if we can't see that as an artist, my talents and my skills, but it's a gift and a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Art is a a very yeah, a very special privilege that I think a lot of people take for granted. Um and I wanna I wanna kind of turn now because um you're speaking a lot about um, you know, passing uh, this gift of art onto students, and you you often reminisce um, on stories with your grandmother, and she feels like a very deep influence on your life, um, both creatively and spiritually. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us more about how your art practice is connected to your family roots and to your ancestors. I think, as one would say, and a lot of people don't believe in us making sacrifices unto our ancestors and showing our appreciation for all what they might have done for us. I had so many people concerned about my life, for my life, as a living human being. I had so many. My mother, she gave birth to 27 children out of 32 pregnancies. And just that many children coming from one woman's life were questionable alone to me. I did a lot of traveling because I went around with the state fairground and I, during a certain period of my life, I was going from every county to every other county. So I was seeing so much from one and a half to I turned four years old. And I was 
probably one of the most curious children that could ever grow because of all that was around me to grow with. And then when I got back and saw that my grandmother and my mother was so meek and so humble until the condition, and this is what I say about slavery, the condition that the slaves was under really didn't matter because they felt that just being in America and somebody explained that this is America, the land of the free, and one day you'll be free. Or one day you'll be free after your labor is over, you're gonna go on off to heaven. We was told so many different stories about freedom and freedom just kind of over, overruled everything else that was happening to us. No matter whether you was in prison or outside of prison struggling. In prison, it's better than being in the grave. And a lot of humans say, oh, I commend Mr. Holly for saying that. Or is imprisonment a time for you to learn your lesson and respect the brain that you have? In prisons, you have all the books and everything else. You got forms of knowledge that you can study. By the time you come out of that institution, it would be just like coming out of Yale. A harvest. Your intellects be done growed. So this is what we are trying to tell anybody that's willing to listen. First, go back. If you don't did something to grandmom and granddaddy now, tell them you're sorry. Because in your growth, you didn't understand. Don't blame it on you and your growth that you was treated like hell and Somebody always rejecting you and hollering and screaming at you, calling you all kind of names. A lot of people get treated like that all the way to their dead. I don't want that to happen on my clock. I want people to lift their heads up. I want people that is homeless. If you are homeless and you were walking the street and you see something that's on the ground that don't need to be there, pick it up. And if it need to be dealt with, deal with it. You certainly embody all that deep spiritual wisdom um, that you preach. Um, and you've led such a remarkable life um, and everything you've experienced, you've, um, you've processed and dealt with through your art practice as well. Um, and I'm, I'm really interested in also, uh, your sense of your deep sense of intuition, um, during your art practice and the improvisation, um, that is a part of that. And I'm, I want to ask how that sort of interconnected with, uh, making music you I, I think what what you're asking me is how do caring fit in how do multiplying 
your bits of caring and concern. It have to come along with someone else like yourself or you all taking the time to get this interview where you can pass it on to others so they can pass it on to others. The light or the candle that I hold and pass on, hopefully it will shine bright at the end of the tunnel or at the end of the sewer pipe where we can see clearly what is growing there. Hopefully we can also see ourselves on this planet, on whatever part we on, as long as we can stand up and know that gravity is holding us down and this planet is turning around a certain amount of miles an hour, the big whole total circulation of the planet and it's not throwing not now one of us off, but we learn to balance ourselves through growth. And in the process of balancing ourselves, I just want them to notice what's blowing in the wind. What comes along with hurricanes after hurricanes after hurricanes, tornadoes, twisters, what is in the wind factor? What is the particle? Something that I would have to put on my magnifiers in order to see. I'm investigating materials of our times. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Race Matters. My name is Sharika Halaludin. And my name is Alicia Zhao. You've just been listening to an interview I did earlier this week with sculptor and musician Lonnie Holly. I, I felt like I absorbed his conviction in what he believes and being at that age and um, experiencing so much... Um, to still be so strong is really inspiring. A lot of those themes of political conviction and innovation with materials flow into the chat that I got to have with an artist that Lonnie has spent a lot of time with, More Mother, aka Kame Oweye. On the other side of some music, you're going to hear the conversation I had with her, which I'd say was just as sprawling, um, just as deep, and a little bit tangential, but in the best possible way. Let your imagination lead. It knows everything you don't know yet and can't be aware of as our common reality unfolds linearly. Listen to your body and holds the time and memory of all your mothers and grandmothers before, and they have been everywhere you will be and have been, and so there is never a wrong place or time for you. Allow time to emerge from its timeless degrees of freedom and take up as much space within the moment. 
What you just heard was Umzanzi by More Mother, um, in collaboration with Black Quantum Futurism and Mary Latmore. More Mother, aka Kame Aweye, describes herself as making magic with words. Her poetry is distilled with political prowess and urgency, and that track we just heard holds a lot of what Kame's work is about melding poetry, theory, radical praxis in a way that feels dissonant and beautiful all at once. She's actually being mentored by Lonnie Holly, the interview you heard at the top of today's show with Alicia Zhao, and it feels apt that we got to chat to both of them. In many ways, Kame's work picks up on the resourcefulness that Lonnie teaches us, finding alchemy in unexpected raw materials and collaborations. I chatted to her about quantum physics, jazz technology, and why we need poetry as part of our liberatory practices. I run to ton gold gun falcon. I run. I run to ton gold gun. Kame, when people introduce you, there's many ways they describe you as a rapper, a jazz artist, an activist, a philosopher, and a champion of underground music. But above all, you're a poet. And I'm curious, what is it about poetry that you find a home in? Well, it was the first type of writing that I fell in love with. You know, it was the first type of writing that I tried to search for. I tried to search for other like poets that I could get into. Um, you know, so I just, something about it, like, you know, like romanced me, you know, got me caught up in something. It, it made me feel like, I mean, this was early when I would first find a poetry book in school, but then I would go and start to watch film that uh, showcased poetry. For instance, this movie called Slam, and it was really, uh, it was really amazing to me. It inspired me to just write something fast, you know, not the poetry that I had once admired starting out was very slow. You know, I just took off from there and just started writing longer pieces, you know, more words could fit in. Um, it didn't have to be this simple stanza verse kind of thing. It could just spill over. Basically, that's what I learned. And so it just um, lit a spark inside me. I want to kind of tap into that, I guess, urgency and spillage. And if I may ground this conversation, you know, in this moment where truths about the world unveiled in rapid time, you know, witnessing a genocide or displacement of peoples and the violence of colonialism, which are themes you've always tapped in on. But there are many calls to actions that are asked of us. How would you speak to the role of poetry towards the work of freedom? When you speak poetry, it's a magic, you know, and you have to get into that zone or experience to know it. Now, I always say not every poet, not everyone can be a poet, you know, unfortunately. I mean, everyone can write poetry, but this true essence, this entanglement, 
that takes a it takes a, a sensitivity, a certain sensitivity to be fine tuned and a continuation of that ref- refinement, you know. Um, so yeah, words are word word magic. You can know you can you can write your life. You can uh, rearrange time. You know, so it's not something I think of as like how other people do, like normal writing. It's something more than that. And this is not something that's new. You know, there's many different cultures that revere certain things, certain actions, like tea drinking in a, in a sense. It's not an actual drink, you know. So, you know, once you start getting into the ritual aspect of things, um, it speaks a lot of power. The words are very powerful. So, um yeah, so we're going to go towards freedom, you know. Um, the word is a way, you know, to cast spells, you know. Um, I mean, many, th- many things. Like I said, I called it word magic. People can dive into that as many aspects as they w- wish. Yeah, I love the idea of using words and alchemy to dip out of time or specifically dip out of capitalist time, um, which... You conjure a lot in your creative process. I've heard you say that you're guided by feeling. What are the rituals that you have to drop from your thinking self to your feeling self? I mean, I'm just totally, you know, feeling. Even as I teach and I work in an academic setting, oh, man, it, it, it's about what are we feeling? What What's the point of all of this? You know, because I believe that sound, just like we talked about words, has uh, ability, you know, and talk a lot about this work with my collective Black Quantum Futurism, but it's just that these are not ordinary things that we're playing with, and if you do the research, you'll see how powerful uh, different uh, experience has been with sound, you know, but sometimes you have to do the research to, to have things be revealed. You know, because of the social uh, capitalist industry of the music, it's just so it's so encompassing that you don't really get to see people that, you know, are sound alchemists, sound alchemy, building sound maps. Before I said it, I didn't even know anyone ever thought about a, a, a sound map, a sonic map. But as I continue to do my research, I see that I'm in good hands, in good family, and it's a continuation of this work. You know, so, yeah, I feel blessed in that sense. Yeah, I have this really distinct memory of seeing you and your partner, Rashida, perform in this colony, I think, like, six years ago. Rashida, like, reciting her poetry and theory, and you were on the synths, and there was this video loop, and I thought to myself, is this what it is to experience multiple timelines at once. And why do you think sound is one of the ways um, that we can create in a non-linear way, as you kind of began to touch on just now? In my mind, um, this has been proven. This is according to quantum physics, you know. See, they, they kind of confuse us, you know, with so many terms and um, try to simplify everything in a capitalist way and not in a holistic way, you know? 
So sometimes uh, we are quick to uh, give up our agency to not just reclaim more space, but also to create it. Also, you know, um, as art practice, as a communal practice as well. You know what I mean? So um, I feel like, and for me, experimentation is a big part of my work. And that's another kind of science term that we need to, you know, hack in a sense. Understanding that we actually have the agency, that we can do it and it has been done before. You know, um, and it, it's really sad because it's been done with less. You know, we have, uh, Rashid and I, we just went on a tour in the Confederate States here. Um, and it was all about un uncovering these, uh, you know, radical moments of liberation, of joy, of community, stuff that happened over a hundred years ago. Do you know what I mean? So it's about bringing those stories to the front. So, you know, to me, that's representation, you know, on a, on a communal scale, not just like someone reading the news. It's actually like, look, a church, a school, a community, like we're teaching each other that you don't need some degree to believe that you have the capacity, you know, um, and, you know, in conversations now are just capacity around time and emotion. You know, we hear that in your music across like genres and the types of people that you work with. Um, can you maybe expand on what you mean by like jazz as a liberatory technology in reclaiming these types of words and tools? When we're talking about innovation, okay, from nothingness, this is tuning into the unknown. Okay, so jazz is a liberation technology because it's in direct conversation with the unknown. Okay, so it's not even a organized religion thing. Okay, this is stuff that's, you know, like so many have said before, the past has something to teach us, you know. Well, I was like, just like the art ensemble of Chicago says, ancient to the future, you know. Um, it's really, like I said before about us studying these Confederate states and these, uh, acts of liberation and following the all African towns, um, you, you find that things are in direct conversation with the unknown, not organized religion, but, you know, the spiritual world whatever you want to call it, the energetic world, uh, you know, the cosmic force, whatever, spirits, ancestors, however people want to name it, this kind of uh, relationship and conversation. That's what's important to me, I feel, because it's this, uh, it's really an understanding of not just the physical world, around you and understanding how energies flow and how uh, how energy flows and it never dies, you know? So if you understand that this is a spiral, this idea of hearing with your eyes, you understand what I mean? Seeing with your ears, understanding that it's not just this 
what's in front of you that I could feel this? What could I buy? What could I sell? Getting in touch with more of your environment. We need to think outside of this uh, vortex. You know, that's a whole nother conversation about vortexes, but sometimes we get stuck in these loops that we don't quite understand. And so, again, it's all about this agency, this uh, what is possible, you know, dissolving the walls of what is not possible. It's interesting that you talk about, like, you know, protecting your energy and agency and in recent times your projects have taken you to you know what we would consider maybe more high art or kind of imperial or like art institutions how do you bring that kind of protection of energy and DIY ethos to preserve yourselves in your practice you know it's just like I'm so DIY There's nothing no one can say to me. This is how much work I put in. I know that. I see the direct results of that. So there's no way I'm going to get my mind scrambled on what people think that I'm a part of. Okay? I, you know, there's so many reasons why people think that. You know, I think they just build up walls. You know, intimidation or whatever they want to call it. But I'm straight from the people, you know, came up with the people, like, there's no change in that. I've been feeling so much, I've been writing and speaking so much to so much that has been going on right now. And because of the music industry, I have to play by these rules of once a year, once a year. But know that I have a lot that I want to share with um, audiences and communities all over. Um, So it's going to be a little bit of that, but a lot of something else, you know, because uh, I'm pent up right now with all the music and thoughts and feelings I have. So, and Lonnie's my favorite artist, one of my uh, mentors. So I'm only in the best position when I'm by his side. That is all for Race Matters this week. I'm Alicia Zhao. And I am Sharika Hallaludin. Thank you so much to our guests, Lonnie Holly and More Mother, aka Kame Oweye, for taking us through their expansive creative practices and ways of thinking through the world. If you want to learn more about their work or experience them live you can catch them both alongside the free jazz collective irreversible entanglements at the opera house on february 26 we'll link all the details in our show notes you can listen back to episodes of race matters at fbiradio.com slash race matters for now make sure to stick around for unfurl with aiden cox